I'm Phil Svitek and I'm a filmmaker and so I think it's always fun to do a top 10 movies of the year. And obviously film critics post this, uh, you know, even just regular audiences uh, post their various top 10 movies. And, you know, the thing about it is I don't think there's a need to argue. I think it just gives you an insight into who that person is or was during that specific year and so forth. Like, it's a little window into their personality, if you will. And so I wanted to share my top 10 movies. Um, and part of my goal is always to highlight movies that don't kind of get shined on, you know, with the, with the big light beam, if you will. Now, you know, I say that, but at the same time, it didn't, like, sway my uh, choices too much. This, for the most part, is, you know, uh, my top 10 Favorite movies of the year. So, starting backwards, I'm going to say Barbie. I thought this was quite a pleasant surprise. You know, it could have spelled disaster. It being, you know, a Mattel movie. It, it, it's, it's completely IP-driven, but in the right hands, this really knocked it out of the park and resonated culturally, right? In a way that uh, not a lot of people predicted in that way, certainly, you know, the quote-unquote experts of like how much it was tracking in terms of its box office numbers and so forth. But, you know, for me, I always knew going into it uh, like that this would be something special. Like it felt like people were really excited for it in that this contained something. We didn't know what it contained, but it was going to resonate. And boy, did it ever. So that's why Barbie is my number 10 pick of this year. Number nine, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. This was an indie movie. It's a much smaller movie. Uh, not a lot of you know, known actors in it. Um, but as the name implies, it is a movie about the, these eco-terrorists that you know, are essentially fed up with politicians and you know, just the world at large not taking climate change seriously. And so they do something drastic about it, aka how to blow up a pipeline. And so, you know, that's very much the focus of that. And you can tell that it's a, it's a smaller movie, but it utilizes its budget extremely well. And the cast is truly phenomenal. The, the pacing and the way in which it reveals, uh, you know, its various plot twists, if you will, is phenomenal. And yeah, I just absolutely love it. Like I think film students should definitely study this movie as far as like what you can do with a budget and how to tell a story. And also I think it's it's a good story. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the ending, right? Or the thesis, if you will, of the movie, but that's okay. You know, um, I think movies are supposed to challenge us and that's what this movie does so um, that's why i recommend how to blow up a pipeline uh, number eight is are you there god it's me margaret this is one of those coming age stories and it's it's based off of a book you know that's that's very widely popular um you know and many girls grew up with it you know in fact a lot of my friends um very much knew it i wasn't familiar but I do loving, love a good coming-of-age story. And boy, was this so beautifully told. Uh, you know, just kind of, it puts you right in that perspective. And 
you know, obviously I didn't grow up as a girl heading into my teenage years, uh, but at the same time, it showcased enough specificity as well as moments of openness for someone like me to be empathetic, right? And it also showcases some of the parents and, you know, their kind of struggles with all of this. And, you know, what I, what I love about good coming-of-age stories is when they can essentially, like, from an objective adult perspective, you know what they're concerned with is silly, but in their world, it's everything, right? And so in that way, I very much cared about the lives of, of each of these characters, specifically Margaret, right? And so it's it's really a heartfelt story, um, really down to earth, and I absolutely loved it. Number seven potentially could be Heo Miyazaki's final movie called The Boy and the Heron. And this, you know, was a long time coming, and uh, it's so difficult to describe you know, what this fully is. You know, it's got like a little bit of sensibilities of, you know, spirited away. But at the same time, just is concerned with so much more. Like the spirited away is very much a PG movie. This is very much a hard PG-13 movie. And what it explores and kind of guilt and and sort of shame, if you will. And it too is kind of like a coming of age story in, in its own right, because it's about a boy, as the title implies, who's trying to navigate this changing world, you know, with war and a- after having lost his mom. So, and where it goes and how it's told, it's full of surprises and wildly unpredictable in many aspects. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. If this is the last movie truly that Hayao Miyazaki does, then kudos. Um, I think he certainly leaves on on a high note. Number six is American Fiction. Now this is a movie starring Jeffrey Wright who plays a black writer and his stuff isn't selling because people want, quote unquote, a black book. He's like, but I'm a black author. What they want is a stereotypical, you know, kind of what people view as black. And so he writes this satirically uh, infused novel of what he thinks a black book would be, only to have it skyrocket and so forth. Now, that's the hook of the movie. What I love about the movie is that it is so much more than that. It literally is the definition of having your cake and eating it too. I think satirically it is brilliant. Like, I've never laughed harder And at the same time, it managed to weave its message in there in a way that wasn't didactic, wasn't forced whatsoever. It just was part of the story. And I absolutely love that. I think it's operating on such a high level. And not only is Jeffrey Wright phenomenal in his role, but the rest of the cast, not, not that it's an ensemble piece, but overall the rest of the cast is plentiful, and they round it out. You know, they knock it out of the park equally, along with Jeffrey Wright. Theater Camp. This was a fun movie that came out, I believe, in the summer. 
And I saw it in theaters and didn't know what to really expect. I mean, you kind of like based off the title, okay, it's going to be kind of this, uh, what's the uh, wet, hot American summer almost kind of movie you might kind of expect. And in some sense, it is a little bit of that. Um, but what it, it it's kind of like this mockumentary movie and it just manages to transcend its budget. Like everyone there is committed. Um, it's, you know, if you've ever seen like Best in Show and, uh, you know, Waiting for Guffman, it's, it's sort of in that vein. But it's got the humor is more on the nose a little bit. And where it goes to by the end is so heartfelt. Like it, it really manages to pull all of its elements together in a beautiful tapestry. I mean, without spoiling anything, there's something that happens about midway through the movie and you're kind of watching and you're like, oh my God, like this is, this is terrible. And yet it comes back at the end in kind of like at its core, right? It's the same, but what's added to it and the emotional weight of it, you're like, wow, that's brilliant. So theater camp, uh, you know, in my opinion, not enough people saw it in theaters. I'm glad to see people have discovered it more. It's on streaming on Hulu. I believe it's still on Hulu. And people have since, you know, after its theatrical run, you know, texted me because I was always a big advocate of this movie. And they're like, oh my God, this is so brilliant. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. I've been talking about it. So please, if you haven't uh, checked it out, Theater Camp, I highly recommend it. Number four, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I mean, this is a movie that just, much like its predecessor, continues to push the envelope of animation. And I know it has a very storied production as far as, you know, getting it to the screen. But as a final product, man, does it excel. And, you know, the sacrifices of all those involved is not unnoticed. And not just that, the story itself really fires on all cylinders. It's not a spoiler to say that, no, it is not a complete movie. There is, you know, it's like half of a movie. But that's like saying Fellowship of the Ring or The Two Towers isn't a complete movie. Well, yeah, it, it's part of a larger whole called The Lord of the Rings. And I think this movie manages to do a lot of stuff and it, and it begs a second viewing. Um, I think it's just gorgeous and very emotional. And I think fundamentally that at its core, it really does tie in Miles Morales's sort of desires, right? And, and you know, challenges them in a way where you're really gutted or you're really rooting for him. And that's a beautiful thing. So that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is my number four pick. Number three, Godzilla Minus One. This is from Toho, a Japanese studio. And this is a complete standalone Godzilla movie. You do not have to have seen any of the other Godzillas. In fact, you know, if you haven't, I wouldn't even discourage it. Just go see this one. And this was made for $15 million, and Hollywood wishes they could make a blockbuster like this. Like the... I mean, it's a common theme, but like, I really love characters 
that I can resonate with, that audiences can resonate with, and that adds heft to it, and this added heft, right? Like, yes, of course, it's about Godzilla, but Godzilla is used very strategically to drive forward the, the actions of the main characters. And for better or worse, they're going through a lot and have to deal with this monster, which is, you, you understand the metaphor and, you know, it's not surface level where it's like literally saying it in your face, but you get it, it's relatively obvious in that way. And for all those reasons, you're really carrying the weight of the main characters with you as you watch the movie. And it does it out, it, it like doles out its exposition in a very smart way where it doesn't spoon feed you at any point. It, various things are revealed as things go by in a natural progression. And you're like, holy moly. So I thought it was brilliant. And the action scenes are very tense. You know, a couple of nitpicks that I have with the movie overall, but you know, I think it is far better than like it. it, it I'd much rather have a movie take a big swing and again for $15 million deliver what it did like it's still far and above like it, 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 its shortcomings are so minor compared to how Hollywood plays generally safe with their blockbusters and you know with $200 million budgets or even $300 million budget, dollar budgets nowadays you know it's like you know what kudos whatever whatever shortcomings you had that's fine because you were far and above working on a level than what, you know, Hollywood is working in the sandbox, the kitty sandbox. So that's Godzilla minus one. Number two is Suzume. This is uh, Shinkai's latest feature, and boy, was it phenomenal. It's about this 17-year-old girl named Suzume who uh, ends up having to go on this adventure with the, uh, this closer to close these doors. And if they don't, they cause earthquakes within Japan. So it's a very personal story, um, certainly for Japanese people. And it manages to also be a very personal story as far as the main character of Suzume is concerned. And it's a very much like dealing with grief, dealing with your past, uh, so you can have a brighter future, uh, you know, and, and healing, and done so in a such visually stunning way that I was absolutely floored from the first time I saw this. In fact, this is a movie that I've seen the most this year, and every time it was an enjoyable experience, every time I got to share it with somebody else, like a lot of times uh, I, I got a chance to watch it with somebody who had not seen it. So it was always fun for me to see it through their eyes. And, you know, these are people who don't regularly watch animation as if it's a pejorative to them, but they were floored. You know, in fact, some of them cried by the end. A very justified response. So that's number two, Suzume. Number one is The Holdovers. Now, this came out of nowhere for me. You know, Suzume was holding top spot for quite a while for me. But The Holdovers, which is Alexander Payne's latest movie, 
this to me is just a perfect movie from start to finish. Uh, it stars Paul Giamatti. It reunites Paul Giamatti with Alexander Payne since Sideways. And it has a trio of the uh, of these characters that like Paul Giamatti is the linchpin, but the other two are absolutely brilliant and needed. And it's it, it's a simple story, right? It's it's about this um, teacher who has to oversee these high school students who have no place to go during a break, right? So it's 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 like it's a it's a prep school, um, and you know so it's pretty much like a college in in that way where you know <laughs> the students are there, right? Uh, so it's not like a local high school type of thing, and it's a very small, sad number of students that have to stay with him, and you know they're resentful for having to stay there. He's resentful essentially for having to deal with them. And in this, there's a found humanity that is nuanced, isn't expected, yet is inevitable. And so on every level, this movie just works. So that's my number one pick of this year is The Holdovers. Now, before I fully wrap out, number one, of course, you are welcome to comment down below with your thoughts you know, on my list, make your own list. I'd love to see it. As I said, you know, each of these lists is very personal. Like it's, you know, there's no real right or wrong answer. Um, it's what's meant for you. But I also did want to say that, you know, I, I wanted to kind of put this out there as we wrap out the year. But of course, that doesn't mean I've seen every movie. In fact, still on my list that I do really want to see is Iron Claw, uh, The Boys in the Boat, and Maestro, so I did not get a chance to see those. You know, Boys in the Boat look like uh, a good, feel-good movie. You know, I don't know if it would have cracked my top 10 list, but it kind of feels like The Sandlot or um, Angels in the Outfield, you know, the more modern Disney version with um, uh, Christopher Lloyd, right? So I, I'm, I'm sure, like, I'll leave feeling good. Iron Claw... I'm excited to see, but I also know it's a very emotional, tragic movie. Um, so, you know, I'm, it's, on, it's on my to-do list to, to go see. And Maestro, it's on Netflix. Um, so I just got to make time, you know. Um, we'll see uh, when I can get around to it. Now, you might also be thinking, well, there's other movies. Why did you leave out other movies that it sounds like you might have seen. Well, the movies that I did see that didn't make my top 10 list are Saltburn, Oppenheimer, Dream Scenario, and Eileen. Um, now, I've seen these on other people's top 10 lists, especially Oppenheimer and Saltburn. For me, I just didn't enjoy them. I just didn't, you know? I usually love Christopher Nolan, but I, I felt, you know, this was supposed to be, an, Oppenheimer in particular was supposed to be an emotional movie and by the end, you're supposed to like be in the shoes of Oppenheimer and feel what he feels. But it's more of a mental exercise of trying to cobble together the plot. So it's like you don't you don't need to do 
all those things. Like if you want to work on an emotional level, then work on an emotional level. And, you know, that's how you got to tell the story as opposed to this convoluted way. So um, I'm not saying it's a bad movie and that I didn't enjoy it, but just not as much as other people. Like I can appreciate it, its artistry, but, you know, certainly not even, you know, top of my Chris Nolan movies. Um, and the rest, yeah, I, I just, I, I wasn't vibing with them. Uh, ones that I wanted to mention as honorable mention, though, that didn't make my top 10 list, but I think, thought were, were good movies. Uh, Polite Society, Past Lives, Sanctuary, and also just comedy-wise, Joyride, uh, also No Hard Feelings, as well as, um, you know, it's not the greatest, but like as a rom-com, I think it's fun as uh, Anyone But You that recently just came out. Um, I did enjoy that. And also Thanksgiving. Um, I really hope this like takes the mantle of, you know, what Scream did. I, I, I hope like Thanksgiving evolves as this horror slasher thr- franchise um, because I think it has a lot of potential. I had fun with the first movie and um, I'm looking forward to more along those lines. So yeah, that's uh, kind of a look back at the movies uh, this year. You know, and uh, hopefully for the ones that you haven't checked out, I've inspired you to go see them. Hopefully you enjoy them. If not, uh, let me know why, you know. Um, it's okay. But uh, thank you so much, and uh, I'll see you next year with another Top 10 list. Top 10 list.